0: Hey, everybody. It's Matt here. And before we get to the episode today, I just want to invite you to slay this giant of sexual sin with us. I want to invite you to consider doing an event with us. We have so many different kinds of events that we could do. There's events for men. There's events for men and women. Events for parents, for youth, for young adults. There's Sunday morning preaching. Um, Some of the events that we do are for our one-time things, and some are weekend-long conferences. And so if this is on your heart, and you'd like to address sexuality and porn in your church or in your circle, in your ministry, or whatever that might look like, Uh, I would invite you to go to restoredministries.ca slash events. You can see what's possible there with some things that we've done in the past. And we're also very flexible with working with different event organizers and and churches in what it can look like for their particular setting. And so if you have it on your heart to carry the message forward of, of freedom and wholeness and health over sexual brokenness, I would love to chat about what that might look like. Go to restoredministries.ca slash events. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see my email. And feel free to email me. We can hop on a Zoom call together and look at what doing an event together might look like for you. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Happner.
1: everybody welcome back to pure victory podcast we're so excited to do this but aside from that all of you have been listening to us thank you for being in this journey with us in pure victory podcast and, and if you
0: are still listening you can hop on youtube restored ministries on facebook different places that's true pure victory podcast there'll be links so you can find us online i don't you want, want you to miss
1: out <laughs> that's
0: right that's right that's right.
1: But anyways, we are excited today because we have a great guest. Uh, her name is Christy Rodriguez, and she is joining us from beautiful Colorado Springs or just outside of Colorado Springs. I've always wanted to go there. I hear it's beautiful, Yeah. but definitely on my bucket list, I think. I don't know. Christy, would you say Colorado Springs should be on my bucket list?
2: Absolutely. It's a 10 out of 10.
1: <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, there so we go. Beautiful. I'll tell my wife we're going tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Christy, for being here with us. And to just give a little bit of uh, a background of who Christy is, she works for Hope After Betrayal. She is the executive director of that incredible ministry. We're going to get more into what that ministry is in the podcast here, but that's what she is. She's the executive director of that. She's been married for 24 years. She told us she has four kids and one grandbaby. That's super exciting.
2: It is super exciting. Being a grandma is the best thing ever.
0: <laughs> yep. You're a young grandma. You'll have lots of years, but every grandparent says that it's just the best eh?
2: Yeah. My mom used to say all the time, she'd say, if I knew how much fun being a grandma was, I would have done it first. <laughs> yeah. I used to roll my eyes and be like, yeah, whatever. And then I became a grandma and I was like, I totally get it now.
1: Lots <laughs> so, of fun. Absolutely. Well, and we're so thankful that you're taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. So what we love to do, Christy, is uh, for our listeners out there to have a better understanding of who you are, maybe just share a little bit of your story. Um, you can go back as far as you would like, <laughs> um, but uh, just share your story a little bit and specifically through the lens of why you're with Hope After Betrayal and, and kind of working from there.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'd love to share my story. Dave and I have been married nearly 24 years, and I'd love to say all those years were super happy, blissful years of marriage, but unfortunately we are a part of the epidemic and the statistic with nearly 41% of married couples experiencing some type of marital betrayal. And we experienced the impact of sexual addiction and betrayal trauma in our marriage as well. I was, um, let's see, we had been married about three years when i first discovered pornography in our marriage and i was completely devastated but i was also super young and naive i had no idea that it wasn't as simple as honey i won't do this anymore and um sorry
0: oh that's all good emotions are real
2: yeah um so this is actually my first time being on a podcast
0: Cool. (laughs) well you're doing
1: great christy you really are
2: my story um (laughs) Sorry about that. I, You know, like you have a little narrative and you know what you're going to say and then your mouth gets dry and all the crazy things. So Happens <laughs> to
1: us all the time.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I discovered pornography three years into our marriage and I was completely devastated. But I was super young and naive and I had no idea. It wasn't as simple as, honey, I won't do this anymore. I didn't have the information that I have now. Um, The research in the last 20 years is so much different. The resources, wow, um, we've made huge improvements on those. But I didn't understand anything about pornography. I didn't understand the impact of pornography on the brain, how it rewires and hijacks the reward system. I didn't know anything about people becoming biologically addicted to the chemical of cocktails that are released when they're watching uh, pornography or engaged in compulsive sexual um, activity. And so we had really great, loving pastors, because we were pastoring at the time when this all came out. And we had loving pastors that sent us away to an intensive, and I was really grateful for that. However, it was really just a Band-Aid on a wound. The intensive really didn't get um, to the root of the issues, you know, and so— I knew though at that time that God was just kind of stirring in my heart, Christy, I'm going to use this in the future and I'm going to use you to help other women run to me in their pain. So I dove into educating myself, getting my hands on books, really um, working hard to um, learn more about pornography and its impact. However, I also was given kind of ignorant counsel. It was very well-meaning, but it was ignorant. They didn't understand anything about betrayal trauma. I had the symptoms of betrayal trauma. We didn't even know what that was at the time. And I was told things like, hey, you know, the more you talk about this, the more you're going to let it ruin your marriage. And so I decided I didn't want to ruin my marriage. So I suffered in silence for years. And my husband led us all to believe that he was... Um, walking in freedom for 13 years so fast forward 13 years and my husband had seasons where he was walking in in recovery and not you know acting out or engaged in any pornography but continuing to live in a cycle of addiction those 13 years so fast forward and then it came out that not only was this you know not only had he been engaged in the pornography and sexual sin but there was also an affair So that was incredibly devastating to us and to our ministry. We were still pastoring at the time, so it was a very public affair. We were very well-known in the community, actively engaged with the sheriff's department and the school system and all those kinds of things. So it was a very, very public um, affair. I, quite frankly, had no intention of staying in this Mm -hmm. marriage. that 13 years, I was pretty much preparing for the worst. I figured I could heal from the pornography. We could get over that. But I had been telling David, if you ever cross the line, you know, physically with somebody, I'm out. So the day after discovery, I was on the phone with the lawyer. However, I got some wise counsel. And because of all of my education and background in crisis management and dealing with trauma, I knew that it really wasn't wisdom to make a life altering decision in the midst of such emotional crisis. Yeah. So as I chose to just kind of pause and wait on the Lord, I really felt his prompting in my heart. Like, Christy, just wait on me. I'm at work here. And I protested. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? Wait, he's had 13 years to get this right. God. And he has totally messed it up. But if you're asking for more time then I'll honor that and I'll wait on you. And so in that process, I really began to see God at work he was at work in my life he was at work in my husband's heart and when I originally discovered the pornography three years in I had a husband who was sorry he got caught but there was no empathy there was no brokenness there was no repentance before the Lord and so that enabled him to continue to you know live in the cycle of sin and shame and fast forward these 13 years, I had a very, very different husband, one that was truly broken and repentant before the Lord. It was very evident because there was fruit of repentance, like it was demonstrative in his life. And he was really willing to do whatever it took to get free and to do the hard work that healing requires. And because I saw those things, because I saw the fruit of repentance and God really changing his heart, it enabled me to stay and because of that we have experienced a tremendous amount of healing and freedom both individually and also restoratively in our marriage
0: that's awesome that's awesome i th- I know it's so hard for wives when it, when disclosure first comes out or, or happens and when they first find out what's going on it's so hard to see that hope and mm-hmm. to see that maybe it could get better i'm wondering what the fruit of repentance really looked like practically, like what were the things that he did where you were like, okay, this is different. He is repentant because those are probably some of the things that you needed to see in order to rebuild that trust. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I'd say one of the most important things that I saw was a willingness to take accountability for the pain that he had caused. For years, there was blame shifting and minimizing and pointing the fingers and things like that when I saw flags or uh, noticed things. And I saw a man who was willing to really acknowledge the pain that he had caused and face that head on. I also saw a willingness to, to have boundaries that he had never been willing to have before. And part of his healing process is that he used to view, view boundaries as very controlling. That boundary, He saw those through the lens of control. There was this big shift, and he realized that boundaries were not about control, but about, about safety, you know, and it's helping establish safety in my life as well. So there was definitely um, a willingness to be accountable that I had never seen before. And um, just a, a softening and a humbling of his heart that I think really empowered him to look past the shame and the hurt and the pain and have like empathy and compassion for where I was at.
1: Wow. That's so powerful. Um, I picked up on those words safety. And I think that's an area, uh, for, for wives in particular of a husband who's struggling with porn. Um, maybe there's a lack of understanding about why that matters in a marriage sometimes, because I mean, hearing your story, uh, you lived for several years with this secret, behind closed doors that was happening in your marriage. And how did that work in your mindset? Cause you weren't probably feeling very safe during those years. Mm-hmm. So what does that do for a marriage? Because I just can imagine, you know, you have this kind of public ministry. You guys have a little bit of a platform. People see you. So there is, there is a cost to coming out with something like this, right? To a degree. And sometimes we don't want to pay that cost because we think suffering in silence will somehow get better make it better but obviously it doesn't so um, what does that do for you and your mindset when you don't have that safety and you feel you just I'm just going to grind it out hope it gets better hope that things turn the corner you know what, just just kind of express th- what that looked like for you.
2: That's a great question as well I think for me there was, there was just kind of a, a whittling away of you know who I was the safety and the security that I had in the relationship and that Like you said, there's definitely a price. You feel those things, even though for a long time I could smell the smoke, but I couldn't find the fire. And so that really, um, it was tough because I think every marriage needs the foundation of of the safety that comes through trust. And because that had been broken and I didn't necessarily see the fruit of repentance or change, like even though Dave said, yeah, I'm doing good, I'm free, I'm, you know, all these kinds of things for years— I saw the red flags and so it always left me questioning, wondering about, you know, the commitment to the purity and the fidelity of the relationship and the exclusivity that's designed to be a part of covenant. And so it was definitely towards the end, I was pretty miserable before this truth came out because I had been dealing with all of the consequences of it even though I didn't know it was taking place. There was definitely a major emotional and spiritual disconnect in our relationship and that played a a big part.
0: Yeah, I believe that. And and I'm wondering what you would do differently or if you had to go back and and give advice to young Christy, whether it was a time um, where you were seeing these red flags or just where you were advised to just go silent and not talk about it. Uh, what would you advise young Christie to do, or another wife, in that scenario?
2: Well, young Christie, at the time, I don't think we had all of the research that we have now about betrayal trauma and the effects on the brain, and all of the things that wives go through. But I would definitely want young Christie to know about the impact trauma, and I would also want her to—I would encourage her to speak up and have a voice. Don't wait till a flag is on fire before you call it red. I think that's a really important way to live. And I didn't live that way for so long, but it's definitely a part of my post-traumatic growth and one of my commitments to myself that I know, um, when I see a red flag, I'm going to call it out. And I wish young Christy would have done that as well.
0: Yeah. Mm. What were some of the conversations? It's true. Like you have to, and I I love that you say that. What were some of the conversations that you wish you would have had with Dave early on? Like say after year three and you found out that there's porn, in the marriage before the affair? What were those some of the conversations that would have been helpful?
2: I think it would have been incredibly important for us to understand the impact of pornography. I don't think we had any inkling. Like I mentioned earlier, I was super young. I was naive. I didn't have any of the, the research that we have now. And oh my goodness, I think that would have definitely been a game changer to have some of the information to understand that um, sexual addiction really isn't about sex. It's about how we use sex, right? It's about fulfilling a legitimate need through an illegitimate manner or way. And because it can't ever satisfy it, creates this, you know, cycle and pattern of kind of continuing to reach out. I wish I would have known that often men have had like sexual imprinting or early childhood sexual exposure to pornography and that those things can feed and be a part of the foundation, you know, or at what's at the root of the sexual addiction. And so I think it would have been really, really helpful to have more of that education and understanding from the get-go.
1: Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think that, I mean, when I was in my journey, because I didn't share this with you, you, Christy, but one of the reasons I do what I'm doing here is because porn was in my marriage as well, too. And for my wife and I, um, in those first few years, I just thought it was something that you know, could be controlled or wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I knew as a Christ follower that yes, this was wrong, but I didn't know the impact it was having on my wife. I didn't understand that. And, um, I would have been great to have some more information about that to know, Hey, this is hurting me. This is hurting my wife. This is hurting my marriage. And um, maybe on a level I knew that, but you don't know the depths of the pain that's being wrought through this activity. So same question that Matt asked, I'm curious about this too. So we see this all the time where say a husband gets help, maybe starts to see sobriety, freedom, healing, and that's celebrated. We should celebrate that, it's great. But then you turn around and look at the wife who's seeing this and she's bleeding out, she's hurting she's in dire straits. Like she is struggling because the pain's still there. His healing might be there, but her healing, mm-hmm. she needs healing too. So yeah. the same thing, question for you, if you could go back and talk to a young Christie or a wife in that stage, what would you tell her about her pain, about what she needs to do and the steps that she can take um, in those, those seasons of life?
2: I think one of the most important things is to really understand that this is not your fault. I would want young Christy to know this is not your fault. And not only is it not your fault, but you're not the cause. So you can't be the cure. I think I took on a lot of false responsibility thinking, well, I can fix this, you know, or also personalizing it and internalizing it and, and having it, fill my head with a narrative that I'm not good enough. This must be happening because of some perceived flaw that I have or deficiency that I have or I'm not sexy enough or thin enough or thick enough or whatever it might be. And the reality is it is not your fault. A huge majority of men or research shows us that a huge majority of men come into their marriages already addicted. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea at the time that Dave had been addicted to pornography since the first time he saw it at eight years old. I had no idea that he had been struggling for years and years with this. And so when I found out, I took it very personal and internalized it. And this must mean that there's something wrong with me. And the reality is he came into the marriage addicted. So if it was happening long before I was ever even in the picture, how could it be my fault? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And so I think it's a really important thing for women. It's one of those things that's hard to get your head and your heart to believe it at the same time, because you might hear that over and over and over again, but it takes a while for that those truths to sink into your heart. But,
0: and, and was it a lot of the research that you did that, that allowed those truths to sink in, or how did that happen for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a lot of the research that I did. Um, the research was very empowering, helping me understand what Dave was going through, and the cycle of addiction and, you know, all of the things that are often at the systemic root of that and being able to look at him as the eight year old child exposed to pornography really empowered me to have a lot of grace for him. This wasn't like he just set out what eight year old knows that what they're doing at that time is going to potentially wreak havoc and cause devastation to the person they love the most. Like they don't know that at the age of eight. And so I think that, understanding the depth and all that's involved is a really important part of of walking in grace and it was definitely a lot of that education that helped me come to those realizations and embrace those truths
0: that's cool that's so important because i mean women's brains and men's brains were so different from each other and on the outset it looks very logical of course if he's looking at this he must not be attracted to me but it's just really not the case and it's, it's a it's an it's almost an impossible situation to start for a husband to communicate that to his wife like no I think you're the most beautiful girl in the world well then why are you looking at these other ones and but it it genuinely is the case a lot of times where the husband is very attracted to his wife but it's not just an issue of sex and and attraction there's so much more to it Um, so it's, it's it's awesome that you got there I'm wondering from a standpoint of of honor in your marriage, um, and it's next level for you because you had a public ministry. But even if even if couples don't have that, a lot of wives will say, uh, you know, I, I didn't talk to people because I didn't want to dishonor my husband. But on the other side, some wives will go, man, like, screw him, I don't care about honor. And they go, they go and tell everybody, what's the balance and how do you maintain honor and how important is honor for your husband and your marriage in that process?
2: Yeah honor is definitely an important part of that but I think we get confused with um it's a good question. <laughs> yeah I definitely think that there is a balance there. I think we want to respect, you know, and have conversations around like I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a choice. It was very public. It was rumor spread for years, gossip, all the things. It was very a hard situation for us and our family. But I think a lot of people don't speak up or 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 share about what's going on, yes, because they want to honor. But I think it's important to recognize the importance of not just honor, but loving our spouse. Mm-hmm. Loving them is includes speaking up, mm-hmm. loving what God loves and hating what He hates. Mm-hmm. And He does not want our husbands worshiping at the altar of sexual idolatry. And it is important for us as wives to speak up and say. This can't continue. This can't continue to impact our covenant. And I think it's important to set those boundaries. Did that answer your question?
1: Yeah, I think that's great because I think one of the things uh, misconceptions can be is that, well, I'm honoring by being silent. Yeah, and and that's mm-hmm. not true because if you want to fight for your marriage and mm-hmm. we see our spouse is suffering in the sense of stuck in something, yeah. um, we have to speak up because if we're that's silent true. in that, not that we're complicit in that, that there are choices, but. We, we can help uh, in the best way we can by giving voice to this saying hey you know you need help you know we need help we need to reach out we need community around us even though it's going to be uncomfortable this is the best thing for our marriage and if we stay silent we stay stuck in this how can we stay on the, the, the this course of you know pretending to be married in a sense of we love each other we're committed to each other but we have this thing in, in existing here and if we don't get that out of our marriage, it's not going to go well for us. Right. So silence never is a good, good option.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the other part with that too, is for a woman to know that she has to value herself and she gets to value herself, that she is valuable and she has to speak up for herself and her own pain too. And silence isn't, isn't honoring to the marriage, but it doesn't doesn't value herself and her own pain either. Yeah. That's so true. Agreed. Yeah, So I'm
1: curious, Christy, so you've shared a little bit of this story. What kind of led you to Hope After Betrayal? Like what was the journey to get to that point where you're now the executive director of this incredible ministry? I'm sure there's some gap there that needs to be filled in for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely a combination of God using all of the things that I have been through personally, as well as our pastoral experience. I have previous administrative experience. And so it was really just a combination of God just kind of preparing me. And I'm so honored to be in this role. I feel like it's very holy ground for me to be able to be doing what I know God's been preparing me for most of my life, or at least a part of that. And so I stepped into um, some ministry here in Colorado Springs And a woman that was leading the ministry, she said, oh, I'm hosting a group called um, a Healing Hope Group for women who have experienced um, the impact of their partner's, you know, sexual betrayal. I think you'd really benefit from being in the group. And I was a little farther in my healing journey, but she, you know, said, regardless of where you're at in your journey, anybody can join a group. So I just thought, why not? You know? I had been pretty isolated and didn't have a lot of community here in the Springs and things like that. Cause we had just moved here. So I thought, why not, you know, and um, connect with some other women who had been through this as well. And so I actually joined a healing hope group of my own as a participant. And the very first day I just kind of felt the Lord tug on my heart, like pay attention to your facilitator. You're going to be leading groups soon. Cool. And <laughs> just kind of, that in my heart so i was like okay so i did i took notes about how she was facilitating and i was kind of training even though nobody knew i was training (laughs) but in my heart i was yeah so um after i went through the group she nominated me to be a facilitator and so i went through the process of training and preparing for that so i came on board with hope after betrayal as a volunteer facilitator and then in the process of um of volunteering and getting to know the board and going through the application process and things like that, um, the board said, would you be interested in a position on staff? And I wasn't really looking for work at the time, but this is so my heart. Um, you know, Dave and I, our, our story was tough. It has been arduous and an uphill climb at times, but it's also been Holy and beautiful, and worth every precious moment with our Savior along the way. And because of the hope that we've experienced and the restoration that we have um, had in our own life, we're super passionate about turning around and helping other people that are still walking through the flames. So when they asked if I wanted to come on board for, you know, in a staff position, I was absolutely yes. (laughs) I had no idea that it would lead to this particular role of being executive director but like i said i am so honored and it feels like such holy ground
0: so cool i love it god uses the worst part of the brokenness in our lives and he mm-hmm. turns around and has us uh, impact other people for his glory it's pretty cool yeah. that's what he's yes. doing so if women are out there listening or if a husband need, feels like his wife could benefit from hope after betrayal what's uh, what's available and how can they reach out
2: Sure. So Hope After Betrayal started over 20 years ago when our founder Meg Wilson started hosting groups for women who had been impacted by their husband's sexual brokenness. She went on to write our book, um, or her book, I should say, um, Hope After Betrayal. And it is the foundation of the curriculum that we use for our Healing Hope groups. So we do offer a 12-week program. It is for women that are in any stage of their journey but it is kind of designed to be a like a triage um program it's very christ-centered word focused we understand the depth of this wound and we know that the enemy loves to pounce on our wounds and take advantage of that and inject his lies. And so a big part of the Healing Hope group and what we're going to walk women through is really helping them identify some of the lies that they believe that are associated with the pain of betrayal, and then help them replace those lies with the truth of God's word and just really saturate. And we know that God's word is a is a wound cleaner. Truth is a wound cleaner. And so we want to help get that wound washed out and filled up with God's truth. So so that is kind of what a Healing Hope group looks like. We have groups online and all across the United States and um, in Canada as well. We also offer webinars. Monthly, well, last, I forgot the word. Yeah, it's all <laughs> we good. offer webinars. Um, one of the monthly, uh, we offer a monthly webinar called the Healing Hope 101 webinar. And that's really just a basic um, foundation, helping women understand the six different types of sexual addiction, what's at the systemic root of each of those. And it also is a brief introduction to the neurobiology of betrayal trauma. So that's something that we offer on a monthly basis. And then we also offer other webinars and things to help educate in each of those webinars. is a different you know, monthly topic, you know,
0: things mm. like that. amazing.
1: That's great. Um, and so, um, if someone's listening out there who can take part in this, is it primarily us Canada or is there, if you're in Europe or like, is, as far as digital groups, uh, who can take part in this?
2: Anybody can yeah. take part in this. Great. Yeah, absolutely. If they want to take advantage of the online community, um, yeah, if based on where their time zone is, if the classes work for them and their schedule, anybody can be a part. Absolutely.
0: It's worth getting up at 3 a.m. if it's going it to lead to healing in your marriage. That's right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of our other passions is really, and part of our mission is to really come alongside the church, pastors and ministry leaders, um, and really help bring some trauma-informed care when we don't look at betrayal through the lens of trauma, we unintentionally can do more harm than yeah. good because mm-hmm. we just we give well-intentioned advice, but it's not helpful, it's more hurtful. And so our heart really is to come alongside the church and help the church um, minister more effectively to people who have been impacted by this. We know that statistically, 96% of pastors say that they do not have a program in place for those who are struggling with, you know, sexual addiction or pornography or, or anything for the partners. And so we would love to come alongside. We offer different workshops and webinars for pastors and churches as well to help really empower them and enable them to, to do this more effectively.
1: Wow. Well, thank you for offering this Christy, and the ministry you guys are involved in Uh, just one final question. Someone listening out there, sir, it's a, it's a wife. Um, and she, I know the, the things that can go through her mind is like, well, this sounds great, but I don't know if this is something I should do or, um, so maybe speak to that, but also why community and having people come around you is so important in our healing.
2: Well, betrayal is very isolating and we know statistically research shows us that isolation is definitely, um, has a big impact on our mental and emotional health. So that in itself is an important reason to join community. But we also know that healing happens in safe places where we can share our stories and let our voices be heard. And we hear lots of women testify about the power of coming together in community. Because this is so isolating, it's very powerful and healing for women to come alongside other women who have experienced the same pain. They can join a community that is is safe and um, free of condemnation and shame because, those of us that are a part of this have great compassion and empathy because we've been there. And so I think that's a really important you know, healing component. Betrayal is so isolating because it's covered in so, and so unsaturated and so much shame, but also because of the level of grief that women experience. This type of grief that a betrayed partner goes through is something called a disenfranchised grief. It's grief that is not recognized by our culture or like it really even embraces reality. So a lot of people feel very alone in that because there's such a disconnect with other people and they don't understand the pain that they're walking through. So coming together in community with a group of women who really get it is essential to healing
0: it is huge it is huge well thank you for what you're doing thank you for your time today if you're listening you want to get a hold of christy and hope after betrayal the link is going to be in our show notes and so uh, man if you're a husband and your wife is struggling send her to hope after betrayal and she's going to get some help um thank you christy and for you listeners god bless we'll chat soon have a great week
2: thanks for listening if you would like
0: to hear more please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.